everyone, and we're live. You're tuning into Cosmic Children. I'm your host, Kevin. And today, I have a very interesting guest in the studio with me. So I was introduced to this guest via a mutual friend, Mr. Gelchen from Homeground Studios. And when he told me about this particular individual, I knew I had to have it on. So Mr. Jayfang, could you please introduce yourself? Thank you for having me. I'm wondering what uh, he said about me, actually. All the bad things. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so Jay here. Um, I'm 29. I'm a musician and entrepreneur. Um, of course, I started out as a, a musician first um, and have been based in a couple of cities before coming back to my hometown in Singapore. Um, and... Um, I've started a couple of creative spaces, both in uh, Singapore and Seoul at the moment. Uh, that's where um, that's where I am. Um, and yeah, I started my solo career mm. um, as a musician just over a year ago. Okay. Yeah, because previously I was only DJing yep. or I was... Um, in a couple of bands throughout yeah. the years. Yeah. But finally, um, I started my own solo thing. And um, yeah, it's been very rewarding. Yeah. And I've seen some success. And so I'm still growing that. So so let's unpack the, the, initial, the initial start you got with regards to, I believe, DJing. Yeah. And you mentioned about being in a band. So what prompted you to start DJing? Ah, so DJing, right? I guess it would have to be my love for hip-hop. Hip-hop? Yeah. Okay. Any particular... Because hip-hop has its own nuances as well. Yeah. Yeah. A any particular group or any particular individual that really, uh, I guess, inspire you to make the... To cross the gap to actually want to go and do it? Because you can just be a, a consumer, like a listener, but why pursue that particular thing? Um. Well, I guess... At that time, when I first started, um, when I was introduced into the world of uh, DJing and specifically turntablism, yep, um, you know, with the with the turntables and and like analog, which I actually discovered on Counter Strike. What, by the way, is a map. So I used to to be I used to to play games, yeah. uh, to play a lot of Counter Strike, especially, yeah. Um, even before I got into music and um, I met this guy who was who called himself like DJ Nico or something like that <laughs> it sounds like a call strike name <laughs> right and so I made fun of him saying just saying like are you really a DJ like yeah like prove it to me or yeah. something like that you know just for fun and then he actually like hit me up and he was like so yeah I am actually a DJ yeah, yeah. and um, would and then I was I was very intrigued. I was like, "Wow, that's that's really cool!" Like, um, I think he showed me his uh one of his DJ sets, like um, I think on on YouTube or something. Yeah, and I yeah. thought it was really cool. I'm like, "Can I learn more about it?" I w I would love to 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 have an introduction at yeah. least. And he invited me over to his place. Whoa! And he gave me just like the he gave me like an introduction into yeah. turntablism. That is cool. That was how I I was introduced to this new world. Yeah. And actually from from there, 
uh, from then on was how I discovered hip hop. Not the other way around, sorry. Mm, mm. So it wasn't like, oh, I love hip hop. And so that's why I want to learn DJing, right? It's more of like, I got, I was introduced to DJing and therefore, um, you, you discovered hip hop, discovered hip hop yeah. along the way. Yeah. Um, because, um, Looking. I learned that, sorry, I learned that, uh, hip hop was one of the pillars of, uh, sorry, I meant turntablism or DJing was one of the pillars, I think five pillars of hip hop, they called it. Yeah. And so, yeah, after which I just, I, I, exp- I, um, I wanted to experience the other four pillars of hip hop yeah. beatboxing, yeah. MCing, great dancing, yeah. graffiti. Yeah. Yeah, which I did. So it was awesome. Was this, could you paint a more accurate picture as to at what year was this in particular? Because I think it would, it would, it would, it would give a clearer picture as to. I can tell what you what age I was. Sure. Um, I was 15 years old. Okay. This year I'm 30. So 15 years back. So would you say that your encounter with this particular individual on Counter-Strike was purely accidental? Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Completely <Yeah>. by accident, <laughs> I was I was introduced to this whole new world. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, I, I couldn't have been more um, blessed to be able to meet someone like him. So... Um, so real so genuine and he just had the love for um the love for djing mm. and hip-hop yeah so a lot of respect to him uh and the fact that the dj pieces- nickel was actually really his uh alias yeah yeah and uh he introduced me to dj school after after which i i uh, met uh djs like shell suit and and then Koflo, mm-hmm. who became my uh, mentor. Yeah. And um, yeah. Could you speak a little bit to the the climate of things back then? Yeah. What was it like to to have your profession yeah. as a DJ? It was it was uh, really popping back then. Popping, popping like, in a good way. A, yeah, in a okay. great way. Okay. Like this was my first. I would say this is my first taste of business. You know. I I uh, just created um, a really simple website mm. at that time, like 15 years ago. Yeah. And um, I promoted myself as like a, a young DJ, right? <laughs> or like a teenage, yeah. pretty much underage yeah. DJ, yeah. right? Yeah. And uh, somehow that took off in terms of like freelance freelance gigs, mm. like, um, like uh, colleges, uh are just random private parties yeah uh organizers um would hit me up and would actually pay me to to dj at yeah. their at their event sounds like a blast <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's all because of actually it's all because of the website mm. i mean now if you were just to just there are too many websites now it's diluted but at that time especially um like a a 15-year-old DJ, um, if you were to come across, if you were to come across a, a website that promoted a 15-year-old DJ, yeah. um, who was, I mean, was of course more below market rate. Yeah. <laughs> so it was also very affordable. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, why not give yep. this guy a shot, right? Yep. Um, 
so I had that was that was really my first um paid yeah it's really yeah it was really my my first job I guess mm-hmm. and uh, it became sort of like a business okay because people just um came through uh, my website and then just emailed me to do these gigs yep. even one time I remember earning uh, and I was like 15 or 16 years old at this time I remember earning like one thousand dollars for just one night of DJing yeah perhaps two three hours and I thought that was amazing. So you cut your chops doing these freelance gigs for a couple of years. Yes. Okay. Did you have a mentor with regards to this or did you just navigate things as they came along? I would say I navigated things um, along the way. Yeah. I'm very much an improviser and I, although I, you know, I do set goals for myself, I like to keep it fluid. Yeah. Because you know, the path along the way will change depending on what obstacles come. But um, as long as you know, you have you have the goal set for yourself, um, you'll find a way, you'll find a, a, a detour, you'll find, um, yeah, you'll find a way. If there's a mean, there's a way, right? There's the means, there's a way. So in, in, in talking and conceptualizing about the, the bigger picture, which is music, has it always been the goal in mind to be a solo artist or was the next step after your, your your DJing to be part of a band to learn more about it? Could you speak to that? Um, right. So at that time, I wasn't fulfilled as a DJ. It was tons of fun, right? Um, I got to meet so many people, mm. broaden my, my network. Yep. Um, with with nightlife and yeah. whatnot, and you were below twenty, probably. <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably. Yeah, still underage. Yeah, so I experienced a lot of uh, yeah, interesting stuff, interesting things at yeah. that age, especially. Yeah. Um, but I felt, well, as a individual, I felt kind of malnourished. Interesting. Um, interesting in terms choice of, of like words, my yeah. soul. Okay, my soul was like my pockets were full, right? <laughs> But my soul was kind of like, um, was kind of like, um, em- empty. And you, and you because distinctly recognize this particular feeling back then? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yes. Um, yeah. So I remember this. And this, and, um, it's because I was playing other people's music, right? Like, I love, I love listening to music. Mm. Like, I love, playing music for others yep. as as that's what D, you know, DJs do. Yep. Yep. But I wanted to create something original, right? And so being a DJ, I didn't feel like I had that. Um, I wasn't doing that, right? Yep. Fair I wasn't enough. creating, I was yep. performing yep. more so. And that's how I um, then moved on to learning music instruments. Mm. Um Picking up the guitar, um, also uh, started practicing singing. Yep. Although, you know, I hated my voice. I still hate my voice. Okay. Uh, but at the time, it was it was way worse. It was like, um, uh, it was quite it was high pitched. Okay. You know. Okay. <laughs> you know. Okay. And so, yeah, I didn't think I could sing, but I tried. Yeah. And I practiced. Um, and that's when I kind of found my way into bands mm. or duos. Yep. 
where I would uh, sing and I would play guitar as well. And in the process, um, writing songs, creating mm-hmm. original, you know, uh, music. Yep. And so that was really fulfilling. Um, and uh, I started off as, at that time, I was still into, uh, really into hip hop. Yep. So I started off actually with rap, with rapping, MCing. Yep. Um, I remember it in school, there was this Korean guy who was like a really good rapper, actually. Yeah. Um, and so he taught me how to rap. That's cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And uh, I remember my first, uh, the first song I practiced was uh, Lose Yourself by Eminem. Because, <laughs> you know, 8 Mile and everything, yeah, he yeah. was, yeah, he was amazing, he was inspirational. Yeah. And so that really started my whole, um, my whole journey into, into becoming, um, becoming like a, a, a writer. Yeah. Right. Yeah, because then I started writing rhymes, mm. stories in rhymes, yeah. you know, rap verses, stuff like that. Um, and then after which, I meant, like I mentioned before, I wanted, I felt like I was limited by just words and rhymes, right? Um, or beats and rhymes. And I wanted melody. And that's mm-hmm. why I, I then um, went into singing. Yep. Um, and uh, and guitar. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm curious to know what what about hip hop drew you to it? Do you remember? A sense of belonging. Okay. I felt at that time um, I was a pretty emotional teenager, I think. <laughs> as, as, as with all as teenagers. With, yeah, yeah, most teenagers yeah. are, right? Um, but uh, I didn't feel like uh, I belonged in any clique or or circles at that time mm. and so with hip-hop i did feel like i belonged yeah okay you know yeah kind of like a bunch of i, w- I don't want to say misfits I would but say like misfits. <laughs> but like uh or like i, I don't want to say outcasts either but you know they're just unique mm-hmm. i felt like at that time um, um, the the group of DJs that I I used to hang out with mm-hmm. and 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 learn uh, the art of turntablism with were were unique and um uniquely like me. Um. So yeah, I felt like it was nice to have someone, other, a few other people understand me yeah yeah at that time that's that was how how i felt and i felt like hip-hop united not just um you know people from from one city or one country Mm -hmm. but like anywhere around the world if you were a part of hip-hop you know and embraced the lifestyle like you were welcomed Mm. um internationally it's like a common language yeah Exactly. And I really loved that idea and that welcomeness into the community that hip hop provided me. And this was um, in the, not just DJing, mm-hmm. but also in breakdancing and b-boying when I was 
um, in in that uh, that phase for a bit, or or in graffiti, or in um, yeah, even beatboxing, all that. Like every, everyone's the same. Everyone in hip hop, they they see you as family, mm-hmm. almost. Mm. Yeah, you have like a mutual understanding that you could express yourself creatively and um and just be you know at peace peace, at peace with yourself and those around you yeah um so i thought that was amazing and you know the story of of how hip hop started um in the bronx like lots of people were just fighting and there was a lot of violence mm. and so they took this um fighting and put that into like an art form mm-hmm. right or several art forms yep. and then they started like battling yeah like creatively yeah. and i thought that was amazing yeah i've never been a a violent person um i've always wanted just everyone to get along mm-hmm. i'm that kind of guy yeah um i hate conflict and so i thought hip hop was an amazing way to to just be um to just be laid back you know just be chill you know yeah and um yeah. it is really a product of its time and yeah. props to i think it was cool her who 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 started right. the whole thing and how it started growing since then until what it is right now to even have uh these distinct i think you call them art forms art movements now that have kind of reverberated across the world really it's not just concentrated in just the bronx anymore i think within 10 years because of the train lines graffiti spread to america to europe and every, everywhere else I, i i think there is a certain i think looking back hindsight 2020 but i i can imagine going through because i believe during that time i think new york in particular was very perilous it was it was different totally and to imagine that something so innocent and so simple can flourish i think two or three decades later into something like this i think that is quite amazing yeah absolutely um it has just blown up mm. and it has people around the world has kind of made it their own yeah you know like hip hop in singapore or hip hop in um africa for example mm. like it's going to be different yes although at the the very core of it the message is the same mm. and so yeah i think i think it's amazing where hip hop has has a uh, where hip hop started and 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 now has become yeah. what it has become mm-hmm. yeah you mentioned it, about the uh, how how you started uh, DJing and you dabbled in the mm. the different pillars of hip hop mm. what were the types of communities that you inter- that you were interactive with, interacting with in singapore were there the same vibrancy as with the dj community let's say in the breakdancing community the graffiti side because these Well, early days like early 2000s maybe closer to 2010 perhaps the infrastructure perhaps there weren't a lot of people doing it so could you speak to 
when you were looking out and, and wanting to explore these different art forms, what was it like? I felt at that time there there was it was actually like the it was about the 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 peak okay in Singapore at least of like of uh, um the golden era of hip hop the golden era of yeah Singapore hip hop yes okay I okay. would say now now things are it's more like trap now okay trap music and yeah. and that kind of thing yeah. but at that time it was more just feel good vibes. Um, and, and, um, you know, those five pillars, mm-hmm. you would see, you would see them everywhere. Breakdance battles, mm-hmm. beatboxing, um, uh, yeah, lots of DJing, scratching even. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, at that time it was, I would say it was re- quite vibrant. Okay. And, um, quite popular as well. Yeah. So there's, there are more than enough, um, events to attend to and and uh, the communities mm. right in the dance scene the breakdance scene or the dj scene um yeah they were brimming with energy with with people passionate you know passionate people yeah um who really just love the love the art form and love mm. what uh they represented mm. yeah and which is uh which is basically unity wasn't more of a you need to know someone to bring you into these communities because when considering about Singapore's positioning about, I guess, the art and creativity, it's very difficult to 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 imagine that there will be a hip hop uh, faction or community or even family within the confines of Singapore because that is so um, just worlds <laughs> apart if you consider that. Yeah, it's so, I know. Yeah, <laughs> um, you know, because yeah, Singapore, you know, is the way it is. Um, pretty strict, con- mm. in like controlled. Yep. There was a need for freedom and expression, mm-hmm. and every every human being, every individual wants to be wants to express mm. themselves. Right? They want to have the freedom to express themselves, and that that is why I think hip-hop flourished um especially at that time when i was uh, when i got into it um all these individuals got together um for the love of hip-hop and started congregating Mm. and expressing and collaborating and there's just this 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 bond, this unity. It's also like good energy. And this, yeah, exactly. At the end of the day, all I care about is good vibes, right? Good energy. Yep. Right? Yep. And that that was what it was. Like I remember in breakdancing, for example, at that time it was the Esplanade. Oh there was yeah. a underground yep. walkway. Yep. Yeah. Um underground like um yeah, that was huge. where the b-boys exactly the, uh, and so if you were a new b-boy which mm-hmm. i was mm-hmm. um you could just walk up uh go over there walk up to um a group of other b-boys and you could just introduce yourself like hey can i um can i join yeah. uh or whatever like oh can i dance here practice here yeah. and mostly you know everyone would be down would be down uh for you to join in and would even teach you 
like moose mm. or um or basically just hang out yeah and and talk yep like they were that was how it was you know they were like that and um i thought that was just so it felt amazing mm-hmm. and it was so different from um from let's say going to like to like a a chinese ed kind of school for example okay which i started off at yeah it started off in it's like worlds apart it's worlds <laughs> apart you know yeah yeah like nangyang yeah <laughs> from that yeah to like dancing in public yep in the under, underground passageway of yeah. the esplanade yep with a group of multiracial mm. you know yep uh um community and i really like that i really enjoyed mixing with different uh mixing with different races or different backgrounds <laughs> and just learning their perspectives and just appreciating their stories and who um who they represented you know yeah. or and and their dreams and aspirations and stuff like that like i thought it was really um motivational for me to meet these inspiring people yeah yeah it's it's very interesting to consider um it's very interesting you brought up their memory as well because that that is something that no amount of committee planning can ever achieve like to say that hey we want to 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 plan regular dance meetup at the underground walkway of Esplanade like that is un- unthinkable but to that point it's the practicality of the space that uh, brought people there and they were fucking religious about it they don't do it like once a month they don't do it like once every two weeks they do it consistently so much so that it is to be expected I think for a certain time period that if you were to go through that space you will see people dancing there yes it, th- th- that is a very interesting thought to do because it it shows the the, adapt- the adaptability of people wanting to express themselves because it is yes. out of necessity that in breakdancing you have certain moves that you have to throw your body on the floor you have to fling fling your body to to, to showcase another movement and you can't do those at certain areas so it's nope. out of the, the 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 sheer sense of practicality that you just used it, and I guess props to 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 the Esplanade as well for just letting them be and yeah. not being like too strict about it because they were doing that maybe close to a decade or so yeah. for a very long time. Yeah. Now people do TikToks there, <laughs> <laughs> so I guess that's the evolution. Yeah. <laughs> so to to touch on the point of hip hop a little bit more, it's been. X number of years since the very first party by Cool Herc and hip hop has grown to be this, I guess, a giant of an industry, really. There's so much, uh, I guess, history to go with it. Yes. And, and, and various different pillars that we talked about. I'm curious to know about your perspective of the commercialization of hip hop, how it's being used these days as less of the historical, less of the, 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 the interesting bits of, of, of the different, uh, machine but more as a marketing term like this this thing is cool because it's hip-hop but when looking at the the product itself 
you know that there is a disconnect because you are aware of the history. You are aware of the struggles that people went through that led to this formation. What 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 are your thoughts? Because I don't see this particular uh, dichotomy changing anytime soon. It's always a push between the 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 people who are really authentic, authentic about hip hop, and people who are just using hip hop uh, as a marketing tool. Well, first of all, I'm I'm very passionate. I have a big interest in marketing, mm. so I do not, I do not feel like, you know, people who just get onto hip hop because it was a, it is a trend, mm-hmm. you know, or because it was cool, um, is bad. Like, I'm fine with that, mm, because. That I think it's cool. Like anyone who who really just wants to to um be be a part of hip hop, whether that is um carrying out the same message as you know how hip hop started. Um, yeah, whether whether it's that message or whether they're just doing hip-hop for marketing sake mm. right marketability i'm i i personally am okay with that mm-hmm. because i think trends are cool and um you should take take advantage of it if it's if it was edm at one time mm. or and then now it's it's hip-hop yep. and i don't know what's next like it's fun. It's fun to write the trends. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't see any wrong in that mm-hmm. unless you are and a lot of uh, I guess OGs of hip hop would be condemning you know the current state mm. uh, it's in right now. But I think it's cool how, how it has evolved mm-hmm. and how it's so way more diverse not just these five pillars that yep. once was. Yep. It's more than that. There's there's so many more um sub genres that have come out yeah. of hip hop or sub cultures. Yeah. And I think that's cool. I love variety. I'm a big fan of just um seeing many different um styles or groups of people mm-hmm. or like um kinds of art. Or forms of expression, mm-hmm. and so I like I like how how it's so um, there's such a variety now. Yep, that has really just spun off from that that single message um, back in the day from the Bronx. Yep, yeah, I'm fine with the evolution, and yeah, it's very interesting yeah. as well to see. You know, it's kind of boring to to just see things, mm, in a sense, stagnant. Mm-hmm. And I don't think things will ever be stagnant. We we as humans are never satisfied. We want to we want to experiment. We want to do do it better. We mm-hmm. want to um kind of find new ways to create fresh sounds of fresh vibes of fresh, fresh songs yeah. yep. and so 
yeah, I like I like how it's been uh, it's been transformed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. One one word really just to put it right now is that it is interesting. <laughs> it's very interesting. Do you on on this particular topic? What are your views on authenticity? Then, do you think that it would be important moving forward to to recognize that because. We mentioned about, let's say, there might be some OGs of hip-hop that says, hey, whatever that is new might not be the, the foundation, but it will come after. So there's always going to be this eternal debate about what is what is authentic and what is, on the flip side of that, what is non-authentic. What are your thoughts to that particular uh, uh, debate? Hmm. Well... I do believe being authentic being yourself is important. So whether it's hip hop or whether you're doing even pop, right? Like it should be coming from who you are. It should be, well, personable, you know? Mm -hmm. And so being authentic, just honestly being authentic sells. At the the end of the day, because you would you would get to the listener, mm-hmm. um, you would real they would relate to you because you're just being like you can tell if someone's more or less you can tell if someone's telling the truth, you know, in their songs, right? How how do you tell? <laughs> like <laughs> it's hard to explain, but mm-hmm. I'm sure you you have come across. Or listen to some songs where you felt like that singer was was actually pouring his his or her oh, heart definitely. out yeah. to you. Yep, yep. And so that's that's what I mean. You know, they're pouring. Um, the story may have been exaggerated or kind of like made c- more colorful or pretty, mm. but the emotion has to be genuine. And as long as you as you deliver that emotion coming from the right place uh, from a from a honest place mm. the listener is gonna feel it yeah so being authentic is important and um in regards to like hip-hop now like even those many um many new kids who are writing the trend of hip-hop or have been writing trend I do feel like they are being genuine. You know, they might be talking about um, sex, mm. money, drugs, but that's because they are doing that. Mm. And so that is their life. Like, I mean, they chose that that life. Yep. You know, of course, they might have gotten in, into it because they thought that's what being hip hop is about. Yep. Which sucks, of yep. course. Yep. Um, but then, because they experimented with, you know, sex, money, drugs, mm. um, or, or started the chase, like, it's easy to get addicted to those those things, yeah. right? All these pleasures mm. and, and vices. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure many of them got hooked. Mm-hmm. And the songs, the, you know, that came out during, like, 
after they got hooked like is honest because they they are struggling with uh yeah. <laughs> addictions and devices <laughs> yeah. and and all that yeah. and um if you you know if you do too much of anything especially especially um like drugs for example right yeah. or any kind of addiction like it's going to be detrimental to your mm-hmm. mental health yep your health especially um but uh your mental health would be would be at risk here and that's why i do feel um a lot of uh a lot of hip hop now has has more of a dark mm-hmm. kind of like a a dark mood to a it a dark mood yeah okay it's more you know like emo trap for example i don't know if that's what they call it but it feels like it's very emotional and the trap like this there's this whole genre trap music where um they are just rapping about pretty depressing stuff mm. and i do i do believe it's because they they are going through that you know they are struggling with addictions yep and um and with the challenges that uh the world is going through right is now is going through or yeah. already live yep. you know the city yep uh, that they are in maybe with a with a with a drug problem yep. in that city for example mm-hmm. that could just take over the whole city and ruin um many people's lives and um yeah they're just sharing their experiences and i i feel like there's no wrong everyone should be able to share their experiences whether that's through hip hop you know if they or whether that's through folk music mm-hmm. yeah it, it is certainly very awesome. it is certainly very interesting to consider if you look if you have a macro look at the the types of individuals groups producing hip hop music you trace the the discography let's say from the 80s to the 90s to the 2000s to the 2010s and even up to right now it's a very interesting progression because it started out um guess being very raw and they are wrapping around their surroundings going on to a period of where there were more gangster rap past that into adding more melodies because the artists themselves were experimenting maybe to the early 2000s there were a lot more uh, unconventional pieces that uh, mirrors the 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 types of uh, music that they were hearing so those were different like drake and j cole and now going to the to the emo the 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 trap thing so it's very interesting to, to consider that this is the evolution and people still go back to the groups of the 90s like the wu-tang folks and it's also very interesting to consider that all these members right now they're doing uh there are different endeavors and side projects that totally uh, differs from what the, the the image that they had back in the nineties. It is so interesting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, interesting is the word. Like I said, like, it's unexpected at times, yeah. and and that's what I love. I love being surprised. Mm. Yeah. So to that point of authenticity and being yourself, would you say that this is the the bedrock at which you you write your music and you create? Yes. Hundred percent. Could you talk more about this, about about your particular process and how perhaps it has changed since perhaps when you started to now? How has this changed? So when I started, 
I used to just want to make people dance. You know. Okay. Starting off as a DJ, that's your job. Yeah. To make people dance. Yep. And so that carried on with, um, with rap, um, with, um, producing mm. when I started. That um, with singing, playing the guitar. Mm-hmm. You know, I was in a, a funk band one time, and so that was all just to to um, make people. I guess happy. Okay. Right. Happy Fair enough. Yep. And want to dance. Um, but then when I started my solo thing, only a year or so ago, I want. I felt like it's not just about making people dance. It's not just about making people happy. Mm-hmm. You know, I felt like life is not just about chasing happiness. Um. And so I wanted to show the flip side, okay, and express my flip side, yeah. which I I never had before. Mm-hmm. Two years ago, I I never shared um any. I never really shared anything personal mm-hmm. in terms of uh, songwriting. Well, yep. in in my songs, yep. it was all just like, "Hey, let's we're all having a good time. Um, let's just you know, let's just." Have Enjoy fun. this moment. Yep. Have fun. Yep. That was the message I was putting out for over a decade. Mm-hmm. And so two years back, I decided I wanted to share stories of um of times when I, I went through depression, for example, mm-hmm. and um and um addiction mm-hmm. and things like that. You know? I felt like it was bottled up in me. And and it was time for me to let it out, to mm-hmm. express it mm-hmm. in a healthy way, mm-hmm. and that was through song, because that was my that was my th- that was my um um I would say my medium, my vehicle of release, right? Yep. Be- having been into music for a while now, mm-hmm. so I decided it was time. It was time to share. And um, I used to care a lot more about what people thought about me. Okay. Um, about you or about the music you make? Or everything. The, okay. About how I look, mm. about how people perceived my music, mm. you know, um, this whole character. But then there came a time two years back specifically, where I felt like I just wanted to be to be personal. You know? I wanted to share personal stories. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, give me, kind of provide this, kind of help me in in the process. Mm -hmm. You know? This therapy, this music therapy. Um, um, that has helped me and that is helping me um, express and perhaps in the process help other people relate to my stories. You know, we're not too different at the mm-hmm. end of the day. We we all have similar struggles, you know, or similar struggling uh, with similar um, feelings feelings yeah right 
that's human nature. So I wanted to I wanted to let my listeners know that they are not alone in this path of struggles. Yeah. You know. They're just obstacles. And yeah, I wanted them to know that we're we're in this together. You're not just the only ones, you know, facing this issue, uh, mm. facing this um these feelings, mm. you know. And so yeah, I felt like I was healing myself. I'm healing myself being this personal in my music. Mm. And um it's therapeutic. And at the same time, it could help someone. Yep. It could help someone um feel like there is there is someone else who's feeling what they're feeling. Yep. And um, yeah, I remember being a depressed teenager. I listened to like Eminem, for example. Yeah. And um, I know he he creates crazy stories, mm. you know, but which all I believe stemmed from personal experiences. Yep. I felt like I wasn't alone during that time, uh. during that, 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 about those bouts of depression that I had as a teenager, I felt like, wow, he's living, he's uh, facing way crazier um, <laughs> stuff, <laughs> you know, stuff. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, okay, shit, that makes me feel um, less shitty. Yeah. You know, and I should just appreciate what I have going for me mm. and know that I'm not alone in this and that, you know, um, did it give you hope? Absolutely. Okay. That's exactly what it did. It gave me hope. Mm. Yeah. Gave me strength, in fact, during that time. What 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 sort of strength are we talking about? Um what sort of strength? When I listened to Eminem, for example, I felt like I wasn't an alien. Because I've always felt like an outcast, right? Or just more of the weird one mm -hmm. um, as a kid. But after listening to him and watching his music videos, like he was super eccentric. Nonchalant, really. About, yeah, yeah, and anything, just straight yeah. up and 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 brutal with his um with his his you know his music, yeah. his expression. Yep. And that was inspiring to me. That was kind of like who I wanted to become mm -hmm. and who I also felt like I related with mm. because he was just nonchalant, right? Like you said. And um, that gave me hope, like seeing someone such as himself become so successful mm. and and really motivating other people, you know, in the process, raising them up, inspiring them, including myself. He gave me hope. It yeah. gave me strength to mm. to to see myself, you know, in the future, be, uh, becoming someone successful, mm. but at the same time also embracing um, my identity, you know, being my weird self, mm. but also be successful at the same time. Yeah. Because if not for his music and you know other artists as well, as well who who kind of put out the same message. Of authentic authenticity, um, society was telling me otherwise. I okay. should fit in, mm. um, especially in Singapore. I should be good at these 
subjects to have secure a good job yeah. in the future mm-hmm. or um be respected in the um with my my relatives my family um all these societal exactly. expectations and pressures yeah it was really stressful mm-hmm. for someone as sensitive as myself to mm. And that kind of made me depressed as well. Yeah, I can imagine why. <laughs> yeah, no shit. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, that was uh, that was challenging. Yeah, like going to school really early. Um, after school, staying back for rem- remedial, mm-hmm. coming home, having tuition, then doing homework, and then. And then it repeats the next day. Yep, that was very depressing. Mm. Um, and not everyone is like ac- academic, you yep. know. And not everyone has to be academic. Um, it really, it really depends on what. I guess. What you like or what, what you're good at, right? Mm. You should do more of what you're good at. I believe. Stick to your strengths, of course. Of course, open yourself to. All sorts of ex, um, all sorts of learning or experiences, but if there's something you're drawn towards, and or some and something you feel like you are interested in, mm-hmm. and perhaps eventually become passionate in, that's more important. Um, at the end of the day, that's more important than doing what. The rule book tells you to society, you know, the societal rule book, what it tells you to be successful, you know, the formulas of, of success, um, is doesn't work for everyone, mm. you know, yeah, and doesn't please everyone, especially, um, especially for a creative like myself. Mm-hmm. I was very different, and. And so I had to find my my own path, and that started off with listening to Eminem, for example. Mm. Now, now that I remember, actually, I listened to him. Bef- he was the first hip hop artist. He was the first hip hop artist I listened to. Yeah. Um. Before that, was like a couple of boy bands and stuff. But <laughs> like <laughs> you know. Yeah. Like, yeah. Um. But but after that, it was like Eminem, and I really stuck to him to to. Um, I was really, I really st- stuck to his his music um, for the longest time, and then I was introduced to, or I I I kind of like accidentally discovered this world of turntablism and this whole bigger culture mm. that hip hop was. Yeah, um, yeah, I forgot about it, but yeah, Eminem was really the first. Even in considering Eminem's uh, rise to fame, his prowess as well as discography, he stood out like a sore thumb. Mm. Even amongst the community of uh, hip hop artists and rappers, and I believe if you look back far enough, you can I think find interviews and even written articles about people slamming Eminem. His content is too uh, violent. His content is too extreme. He is not. 
an actual rapper because of his race. Even <laughs> in the those were the common topics, yes. but his craft and his music persists. Yes. Yeah. So I'm also I'm curious to know if you were to listen to like an Eminem track from that particular period, do you still think about yourself back then in, in that particular uh, way? Yes, I believe songs take you back to a time where, in my case, for like Eminem, for like his song Lose Yourself, for example, mm-hmm. that's when I watched 8 Mile as a kid. It really inspired me. And so now if I listen to Lose Yourself, which was the theme song of that uh, movie, it would take me back to that time when I was a teenager mm-hmm. and what I was going through and how I felt this his music gave me, inspired me to do, to, to be a better, uh, to be, to be a better you, <laughs> just be a better version of myself yeah. every day. Yeah. Be better than the day before, mm. a better person than the day before. That was the kind of, that was the kind of strength, um, he gave me and I am reminded of if I listen to that song now it transports me back into that time and it would remind me it'd be a really good reminder of how music brought me hope through my depression mm. yeah you, you mentioned about depression and you going yeah. through it so I'm very curious to know your thoughts on this um there's been various conversations about uh, the topic of mental health and various conversations have been had and will continue to have because of how, I guess, we as a society are more open to having these dialogues. Finally, we have actual words to describe, not all, but some, hopefully more in the future. I'm curious to know, what do you think is not being talked about? Having been someone who has actually went through it. What's not being talked about now? Yeah. Well, right now I think there are a lot more initiatives, a lot more support for mental health. But I do believe, and this is something I feel like I would have benefited from, you know, if I was taught this in school, which is teaching about mental health in school. Mm. You know, um, I think it's important to educate um, the youth and not just the youth, but also their parents mm. <laughs> on how to create um, to the best of their abilities uh a healthy you know um relationship family relationship and to support one another and be and be open and to to be open to um um forms of expression or you know feedback what what your your kid um, your children are experiencing mm-hmm. how they truly feel, what they're more 
in tune to in tune yeah, to yeah. the subjects or maybe none of the subjects mm-hmm. even you know um i think it's it's very important to share your share your feelings mm. and especially as a as a teenager or as a kid you should be able to share your feelings with your parents and um i don't think i i i personally um didn't share a lot of what i was feeling with them because i guess i didn't want to bother them mm-hmm. to an extent mm-hmm. and also i felt like they wouldn't understand mm. and so that's really the the important point here that um parents should should try and perhaps they you know that professionals that can actually teach them yep the tools to to allow uh teach them how to let their children make their children feel safe or even to facilitate discussions really about, yes. about such things yeah yeah facilitate discussions um which hopefully can help families be more open to to sharing mm. even even with if not just um kids sharing about um their struggles and their um um yeah not just their their struggles but but even the parents should yep. should be open um to sharing their their feelings with yep. their children so there's a mutual understanding and there's a mutual exactly something as simple as that although not often practiced yeah. enough mm-hmm. would be game changing would be pivotal um and that would resonate to the whole that would definitely resonate throughout you know throughout the whole country even mm-hmm. yeah yeah and 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 bring better generations you know bring uh more healthy mentally healthy yeah, <laughs> yeah. individuals <laughs> yeah. the new generations to come mm. you know into the society and at and in the process altering the society creating a better society yeah I, I do I do agree with you that I feel that as the the fundamental needs of let's say a society like Singapore is being taken care of we have the ability some may say privilege luxury to start working on these particular issues because if not we will just be repeating the sins of the past generations and kudos to the past generation for I guess sacrificing most I guess their lives because they they valued a certain sense of pragmatism to actually build out the foundation. So, and because of the internet and anything that we want to look up, we can just look it up in two clicks. I think that is that will facilitate a lot more conversations, a lot more uh, information, even knowledge, really to 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 know about what, firstly, what you're going through. That there are other, actually other people going through. You're not alone. Yeah. I, I do think that this um this conversation will be one of the more important ones um 
perhaps for the next decade because it is being mentally strong, although unfortunately not emphasized when I was going through school and seems like from you as well, it's a fundamental uh, uh, necessity really. Yeah. So to to, to bridge up from that, I'm, I'm curious to know what does being mentally strong or mentally healthy, what does that mean to you? To be mentally healthy, what it means to me is to express yourself, not to bottle up any emotion. Of course, don't resort to violence mm. if you do feel mad at someone or something. But to express yourself in healthy ways. And for me, that's through music. Mm -hmm. For some others, it might be through exercise mm. or mm, even gaming, you know? great stress reliever yeah <laughs> so um you have to express yourself nothing is nothing good is ever going to come out of suppressing your emotions nothing it will just make you more miserable when you when it the, you know when it really reaches the limit mm -hmm. and you explode mm -hmm. and you're also going to make others around you miserable mm -hmm. um at the same time um, when that happens so you have to express yourself to whatever means that is unique to you yes and that alone is I think the most fundamental thing you can do to um, take care of your mental health so that is really the, the, the crucial first step Yes. To learn how to express yourself, the good and the bad, I assume. Yes. Yeah. So not just the, the bad parts, but even the good parts like gratitude and kindness and compassion, stuff like that. Yes. I'm curious to know, um, how, how do you envision or how, how do you envision your depression? Do you see it as uh, an individual? Do you see it as a cloud? Because when 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 looking at your your uh your music and your craft there is this uh it feels like there is this specter that is uh common in your music videos so i'm just curious to know like when going through depression and even up to in 2021 have you ever thought of how you envision it like what is it to you like is it something that you have overcame? Is it something that will, can even be overcome? Yeah. Yeah. I feel like depression is my shadow. Mm -hmm. You know, it will never leave your side. It is the devil on your shoulder. Mm -hmm. And um, everyone has a dark side. And that, and that they should acknowledge it. They should listen to whatever the dark, you know, your dark side is saying or wants to tell you. But should you choose to accept, mm -hmm. to accept what they're telling you, you know, to do or who you are or their beliefs, you have the choice to agree or disagree with them. But, let them speak. Mm. Let that inner voice 
that inner demon speak and just acknowledge it and choose the better voice you know you have the devil on one shoulder you have the angel on the other shoulder it's up to you to decide who you want to listen to mm. and um i want to let people know that they shouldn't ignore their dark side they should embrace it acknowledge it and remain calm mm. of course Do you think that there is a benefit to to this dark side? I think it creates really cool art, really <laughs> fucking cool art. All the dark stuff, all the negative emotions or experiences that one one goes through if you're an artist mm. or creative. I feel really it creates very moving pieces of music or visuals. Mm. Because so it's relatable. It, and it's so relatable because yeah. it reminds everyone of their dark side. Mm-hmm. Um or negative um emotions or vibes mm-hmm. that humans go through. And I always find that very moving. Mm. What what has helped you in in being able to accept and to embrace this dark side of yours and to perhaps be more in tune with the good side what has helped you in, in this particular regard well i believe that after embracing my dark side letting all these negative emotions come out um in my art my music i then created room for more of the good stuff to remain interesting you know yeah so i poured out my emotions onto paper into song to my recordings and that was when i could hear more of the good stuff in my mind and in my heart mm. that i wanted which i want wanted to remain rather than vacate you know mm-hmm. and um you know when people say i'm sure especially the older generation they would say like oh cheer up just think positively like why are you thinking like negative thoughts mm. just just smile just be happy mm. right be a clown basically yep um i i don't believe that's going to do you any good like i said that's suppressing that is suppressing your emotions whatever you feel is whatever you feel and we all feel negative emotions at times so you should let those emotions speak let those emotions come out mm-hmm. in um appropriate channels appropriate channels in art in um fitness or whatever and only then you would have the headspace to focus on what's remaining and 
to hear the good stuff. Humans, like, we, you know, being like primal, our, our instincts, ever since we were cavemen, I mean, we had to survive, right? Mm -hmm. Survival instincts, survival thoughts. Mm. We would always be worried, always look out for the next dangerous, yep. Um, yep. you know, thing that's coming our way. And so we still, and that is why a lot of us still think about and worry about everything. Yeah. Many things. To be human is to worry. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Eh. So, it so that's like, who we are. So, so it sounds like depression is something that despite uh, depression sounds like to me from what you just said that you you carry on and you move on despite uh, encountering and, 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 and going through uh, and even embracing the, the both sides of this uh, particular balance and to find it really equilibrium with the positive and negative because it's always going to come the negative is always going to be the louder voice mm. so that's why I would say listen to the negative stuff first but not you don't have to agree with it listen to it let it speak let it come out have the vehicles for it to drive away you know move out vacate and then you would hear the quieter voices which are usually the more the calmer more positive thoughts mm. and, and and also to recognize that these two parts are you as well <laughs> they are they are you yeah you and i they're everyone um yeah humans right <laughs> indeed um i'm curious to know when when Putting out music that is very close to your heart about the experiences that you have went through, were there particular challenges that you have faced in fear of being too vulnerable? Because Yes. Yeah. There were challenges. Um first of all, my parents. I was afraid to kind of reveal my okay myself to them I'm I I wouldn't say I'm close to them mm -hmm. um, so yeah I was afraid to to, to worry them you know because uh, my mom can be a worrier like mm -hmm. all moms and so yeah I didn't I didn't want to bother them mm. and I didn't want to scare them because yeah. I really went out full force with my with my my song mm -hmm. my music videos mm -hmm. like i i i sweared i spoke about i spoke about sex drugs all of those stuff uh alcohol even like stuff that um uh, i was told not to partake in partake in mm. you know and um so i was afraid i was afraid to to for for them to, well, I guess to find out to an extent. Mm -hmm. Um, 
and not not even them for for my extended family even my relatives who mm. um i guess wouldn't agree or don't agree with me doing pursuing uh the arts mm. you know it was it was just a little a little scary you know putting putting something so vulnerable out and being judged yep. especially those that are by people you close. know yeah yeah close um or, you know your parents like who, who raised you or, yeah um but at the end of the day after putting it out it just felt so good letting it out that it was worth it it was worth it and then actually having um listeners you know dm me on instagram um quite a number of them they said my music my songs did help them you know relate mm. did help them feel less alone and that really just meant even if it was just one person that said that it was worth it you know mm-hmm. like i made an impact to that one guy yeah yeah i was looking through the the comments on one of your music videos and you were so consistent in replying to them and and i guess engaging with them has has this 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 personable uh, level of engagement um is this how you've always been with uh, people who follow your music even before the 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 change in persona is this how you've always uh, uh approached uh, the the topic of the fan and the creator yes i've always tried to treat them as how i treat my friends mm. um and i have been told before to well not be too personable and not be too available interesting you know um to an extent i can see why it just like you know like celebrities or really famous people they don't reply every single fan i mean because it's very yeah. diff- i mean it's very it's almost impossible it's to it's too much right yeah. yep but i believe if someone like me like an in, like just like indie artist mm. like i have the opportunity i have the um i have the pleasure to to be able to reply every single one mm. i have the capacity and so i i believe it is my duty to do so and i mean i do enjoy connecting with 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 my listeners so i i think it's it's important it it makes them feel a lot of them have uh were were surprised were shocked to see me actually you know reply them to even have conversations with them or chat with them about their problems even and offering my my two cents hmm. you know if they asked me for uh advice um and that has been really very really very clear to me 
that what I'm doing is good. You know, mm-hmm. I'm not saying that I'm creating, you know, amazing art or anything like that. Not even close. It's just that I am adding value mm. to someone's life, mm-hmm. to my list, to to the lives of my listeners, and that is more than enough. Because first of all, it's already a form of therapy for me, mm-hmm. music therapy, mm-hmm. to pour my heart out into song. And the bonus is, I get to improve people's lives. You know, mm-hmm. whether that's through um, relating with them, um, kind of soothing them, you could say, and at the same time also entertaining them. You know, a bit of both. Those the two things just make it so worthwhile. Yeah. Interesting. I'm. I'm. I would like to talk about your process when you create. Um, is there a particular type of headspace or framework that you either use or get into to create? I usually, because I'm writing a lot about um, about struggles mm-hmm. these days, my personal struggles, um. And and emotions that come along with it. I would usually start writing when I'm feeling down. Okay. Mm-hmm. Right, because this is um, the artist that I am right now. I chose I chose to share my dark side, and so whenever I am sad or mad or anything like that, I. I start to write um, either words, either concepts, themes, melodies, anything that you can find in a song. All mm-hmm. the elements, yep. they would just start um, appearing, coming out in my, in my brain. Mm-hmm. And then I would choose to externalize it. You know, I would choose to pen down a couple of uh, a couple of lines. You know, write lyrics there, or I would choose to produce um, a progression, a chord progression, mm-hmm. or um, a drum rhythm, a drum mm-hmm. beat, and then what I would usually do is put those two, the words and the instrumental, together into a demo, mm-hmm. a very very raw demo, and then I would then take that to a producer, and then work with him in, um executing the theme that I have in mind, you know, the message that I want to put across Mm -hmm. and leaving all the technicalities of making a good sounding song, 
I leave that to the producer. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, polishing up my lyrics as well. I leave that to um, well, to the producer if he writes or to to a writer, you know, mm-hmm. songwriter, to polish up all this rawness that um, I, I that was that would be on my demo. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the same time, while doing so, I think a lot about the mark, like how marketable it is as mm-hmm. well. Because I want to reach, I want to reach people. I, I want people to listen to my music, right? I want to touch their soul. I want to actually just um, 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 reach the right people so that I can, so that they find me relatable. Mm. And so I think about marketing a lot. You know, once I have the demo, um, I bring that to my my team, producer, songwriter, and I work with them. And at the same time, throw ideas, like marketing ideas during the session. Mm. And whether, and what I always try to achieve is doing is doing it differently doing the song differently whether that's like a weird song structure or like a one minute song you know Mm. or like um just doing something different that you you wouldn't or you haven't heard um before or at least not um on the radio or Mm -hmm. mainstream Mm -hmm. like um I love disrupting. Yeah. So I love just surprising uh, my listeners or surprising people Mm. um, because that's how you stand out. And it's fun at the same time. You know, it's fun to, it's fun to um, kind of, uh, I wouldn't say prank people, (laughs) but, it's kind of like that, you know, like when you throw throw a curveball or not a curveball, but like like do something shocking in let's say your song. You you like at the start of your song, you like you just start off with like a scream. Oh god! Right then, <laughs> that would like capture the attention, right? Of course, you don't just do it yeah. for the sake of doing it, but yep. it's actually still within that theme yep. that you you have. Maybe mm-hmm. that scream is about. Uh, I mean, for a song like that starts off with a scream, might be about throwing a tantrum. Mm. You know, let's say. I mean, as a kid, all kids they throw tantrums, mm-hmm. but as an adult, you're not allowed. You're not allowed to behave that way. Mm. But you know, sometimes if you are too, <laughs> if you are like really pushed pushed to the limit. Whatever you're going through, you might end up throwing a fit yeah. or a tantrum. Yep. You just never know. Just same energy. <laughs> same, same energy. So rather than, I guess, throw a tantrum uh, in a, in a bed, in a, in a peaceful setting, like at home, <laughs> you don't want to disrupt the peace, throw a tantrum in the studio instead mm. and let those emotions out. Mm. And yeah, coming back to, um, my my um, 
my thoughts on marketing while writing the song. That has been very, very important, and it's always very distinctive for me to include that in the process of writing music. What do you mean uh, when you when you say that uh, that the marketing has has to be just as important as the music has to be yes. included? What do you mean by that? Um, it means the. Or if you have an example in your discography, okay. that that will help. Yeah. Pain so I have this song called ADHD, right? And it was about my ADHD. Um, and it is actually four songs in one, mm-hmm. inspired by Bohemian Rhapsody. And at that time, it was a very weird, at first, it was very disliked song. Um, at that Bohemian time. Bohemian Rhapsody? Bohemian Rhapsody, before it got famous eventually because of its weirdness. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I loved it because it was just like, it was like almost a personification of someone with multiple personality disorder or some or or someone who's just going through a flurry of emotions. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It took you on that roller coaster ride. I've never really considered a song as four separate songs or different songs pieced together. Huh, interesting. Okay. Oh, no, no. That's not what I meant. Oh, but I, okay. I, the song that I I created was, it's a, basically a four song in one. Okay thing mm. but bohemian rhapsody itself is one song just it just takes you on like a, it's ride, a journey, a yeah, whole yeah. journey <laughs> which i loved and yeah. ins- uh, so inspired by um and and his movie as well mm. um so i wanted to do something different you know not just the usual like oh it starts off with like um the hook or the chorus and then there's a verse and then there's the chorus again then maybe it's a breakdown and then chorus in an end of song Jason Jason tells me how formulaic these things can get music making yeah (laughs) yes so it works for some Mm. but it might work for me if I forced it if I forced to to follow the conventional pop structure but it's just not me not who I am Mm -hmm. not what I enjoy Mm -hmm. I enjoy doing something different every time and experimenting and through these experiments, push the boundaries of my art, of my music, and and feel more fulfilled as well. Discovering new sounds, new mm. uh, um, new styles. Um, so this song ADHD, which stand stood for stands for attention depression, hit and dip. Yeah. It was basically um, based off my experience living in London. Mm-hmm. I was there for about two years and I was DJing um, almost every night. I was DJing for this X Factor group at, at one point. What? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was a really wild brushing, uh, really just, you know, meeting celebrities, UK celebrities and um, never, never out of booze, never <laughs> out of anything you can imagine. Party favors. Party favors. <laughs> it got me into my most depressive time in, in my life, mm. to be honest, because I, at the end of the day, at the end of all the, all the, the lights and bass and, um, and party people, mm-hmm. I felt really alone. And, 
and I wasn't creating at that time. I didn't have the I I didn't have the energy. I was just exhausted with all of this party life that I was neglecting what I now I now understand is so important to me, which was expressing myself. Mm. I was basically, you know, just DJing other people's music at that time and and I, I forgot who I was mm-hmm. to an extent. Mm-hmm. You know? I was just playing character. Um, so that just got me feeling really empty at that time. And so I wanted to create uh, a song that represented my emotions, mm. which was all over the place, right? Mm-hmm. They're, they're, when I was partying, it was like, yeah, in a moment, it's like pleasure, right? It's super it's high. So, yeah. It's just, it feels good yeah. at, that, at that moment. But then the next day, there's the come down, you know, and it's just, it sucks. Mm. You feel like 180, just down there. And so with my song ADHD, starts off with attention, which represented me seeking attention, seeking for attention, you know, in the party, in the whole party scene in London at that time. But then, which brings me to, so this ADHD attention brings me to my next, the next song, the next part of the song, which is the depression um, phase. And because I was just seeking, seeking for attention, I grew, I became depressed because I was empty at the end of the day, just seeking uh, to, to be someone who was popular, mm. you know? Um, it, for someone with a addictive personality like me, it was, it was really uh, dangerous. I, I would say, I can safely say for me to have experienced that much freedom. Coming from Singapore, since Singapore is not as free as um, like Europe, for example, you know, you get a lot of freedom and mm-hmm. with freedom comes um, responsibility, Responsibility, which I, which I <laughs> had none of at that time okay. and went to the extreme end and just so I lost myself. Mm. And so uh, I grew depressed. And then that brings me to the next part of the song. There's ADHD. So that was hit. And so when I was depressed, I wanted to numb the pain or escape the pain. Mm. And, and so I hit uh, the, I hit all my vices that, you know, that I had at that point, uh, just, um, trying to numb, numb that, numb the pain, numb the sadness. And then that brings me to the last part of the song this ADHD D um, would be dip and that was thankfully me coming to the realization um, one day that I wanted to dip out of this situation the rut that I'm in the lifestyle that I'm in I was living and didn't realize at the time I had to come back to Singapore and speak to a good friend one of my close close friends to realize that I wasn't happy. He could tell he could tell that I wasn't happy, mm. although I was popular mm. and I was successful in the eyes of many during that time based in London. I wasn't happy. And for a friend, any friend who cares about you, a close friend especially, like they all they only care about your happiness at the end of the day. And I'm thankful that he did. And that was what he 
um, pointed out. And, and being in a situation, being in a rut, you sometimes don't realize that you are in a rut. Mm. You don't realize you're in a bad place. Yep. You become comfortable being uncomfortable. <laughs> and that was where I was at. And and so I'm 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 thankful that I realized that thanks to my friend and um I had to dip out of that situation, you know? And that's what that song represented. Mm. It would be very difficult to represent this whole journey um of what I experienced in a normal struct in a normal song. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Because a normal song would generally sound the same. Yep. From from the start to end. Mm-hmm. So I had I wanted to take people through this roller coaster of emotions that I went through, but in one song, you know, and that's what I tr- I tried to do with my song ADHD. Mm-hmm. Each each um each phase, each part of the song was per- perhaps a, a minute long. Mm-hmm. And they transited smoothly into, um, into one another, and that was very different. At least in Singapore, it was very different. Um, with with what artists were putting out you, here, yeah, you made it into like a choose your own, uh, which I thing. did with my music video. Yeah, yeah. exactly, and so. You know, that was the the song. The song was like this weird four song in one thing. Mm-hmm. And like the music video couldn't just be normal. Mm. I I wanted it to be. And with my love for trying new things, experimenting with new ideas, I wanted to create a something just as weird. And inspired by Netflix's Bandersnatch. Not to create, yeah. Yeah. Sure, yeah. I wanted to create a YouTube uh, kind of like version of that. Mm. And so, on YouTube, if you watch my music video um, of ADHD, you can, at the end of each video, you can choose where you want to take the character, which which is me. Where do you want where you want me to go? Mm. Um. And yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. I even came out with uh, I had a, a Instagram filter game developed. Okay. A side scroller. Um. So what you do is, um, you know, you use the front-facing camera, mm-hmm. you activate the filter, and what you do is uh, you blink your eyes to have the character, this is like a Mario side-scroller kind of thing, to have uh, the character shoot out lasers at <laughs> at oncoming uh, enemies or monsters, right? Yeah, yeah. And I did a competition and, and, <laughs> said, and <laughs> asked people to blink the hell out of their yeah. eyes to... To hit a high score for some money, yeah, and someone someone blinked like over a thousand times Jesus. to win that money, and yeah, I kind of looked like he was having a after like a like a seizure, yeah. you know, and uh, but it was a lot of fun. No one no one got hurt. So yeah, that was nice. Yeah, and so that was just you know a campaign um, around that one song. Yeah. And I would say coming up with the idea of the song create like the elements of hip hop and pop and electronic, you know, um, urban elements in the song was 
was is was in trend mm. at that point. Mm. I just messed around with the structure of the song, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So it wasn't just like obscure and like no one wanted to listen to it. But I actually had elements of what's trending, mm. but just played around with the structure of the song. Yep. Right at the end of the day, that's how you could see it. If you mess around just with every single element, it's just going to be a too obscure. So it's about that balance. Mm. Like like, it's all about the balance. And I I thought I I had a pretty uh, modern and urban sounding song with a very unique song structure. Um, which I was, I felt validated because validated and, and of that it was a good song because I um, had the opportunity to play this to um, the CEO of Universal. Wow. Because I was, um, he, he wanted to, uh, this was like, he wanted to listen to my songs. I remember putting out my debut single titled Tomorrow. Mm. And he, that music video went viral in Southeast Asia on, on YouTube. Mm-hmm. And so he took notice um, and wanted to meet up with me, and which I did. And then let I let him, I shared, you know, the other songs that I had already produced. And one of it was ADHD. Mm. And he was saying like, this is the most interesting song. This is the song that will get you um, respect. Not respect. Res- <laughs> in terms of like, uh, of like other artists, it's a very artistic Mm-mm. piece of art, mm. you know? And so I felt like, wow, okay coming from the CEO of Universal Singapore, like, okay, that means something. Yeah. It's different when you, you tell yourself like, oh yeah, that's a cool song. Yeah, that's, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's um, fresh. Yeah. <laughs> um, artistic. You always, there's always a biasness and, yeah. and somehow you don't really believe yourself as much as uh, what the people tell you, you know. Yeah. We, we tend to just believe what the people say more than what we tell ourselves. That's just how it is. And and so, yeah, that's one example of how I try how I try to make things marketable. How I try to surprise my listeners, do something different for them. Um, and what I always say, or what I what I enjoy the most is finding new ways to allow my listeners, finding new ways for my listeners to experience my music. And mm. that's not even not that's not even just through listening. It's beyond that. Yep. Yep. I'm thinking how else can they experience my music? You know, music video, visually, mm-hmm. of course. Mm-hmm. But how else? And that's that's why I created a game. Yeah, uh, tomorrow, was it? Yes, tomorrow yeah. the game, which blew up um in the in the indie game community, yep. indie horror game community. Yeah. Very niche. But worldwide, it's pretty big. I now have almost over a million. Um, it reached almost a million uh, gamers, and so that was pretty amazing. Yeah, for doing something uh, with a small game studio, um, with a small budget, but the idea took off. Did 
for for tomorrow, did the song come first or did the idea to do something uh game related come first? What what came first? The song came first mm. and then COVID nineteen came. <laughs> then so that was Circuit Breaker and I got into Twitch. Yeah. And I was live streaming every day and yeah. I kinda was rel- reliving my childhood CSK. CS days. CS days, but <laughs> but I was but I have always been a fan of horror. Mm. horror movies and all that but i was just really afraid as a kid mm. but as an adult i felt like i wasn't i wasn't too scared anymore and it was just fun for me yeah yeah you know i love yeah. the jump scares and yeah. all that <laughs> yeah i found it really cool and so i had i had the guts all the balls to like play all the horror games i wanted like phasmophobia and stuff like that yeah okay outlast yeah um dying light uh yes dying light even like the the, the old school um, the classics like Slenderman and all that, like <laughs> super, yeah, super fun. Yeah, and so I was gaming so much at that time, and I was so focused on my goal of becoming a, a Twitch partner, which mm. I was, I was at the end of uh, nearing the end of Circuit Breaker, I was offered That's to cool. become a Twitch partner, but then it came out of lockdown, and I decided to just focus on other stuff. Because, you know, I wasn't just stuck in my, mm, in apartment my computer anymore. anymore. <laughs> Actually, yeah. I bought a computer for Circuit Breaker mm. just to game. Because mm. before that, you know, I didn't want to be distracted. I want to focus on business and other stuff in the real world, physical world. Mm. Uh, but then, so having experienced all those games and how those games, those horror games scared me and my viewers mm-hmm. on because I live streamed them. Like, I kind of knew what was scary yeah you know it was fun Mm -hmm. and so i took those ideas those scary experiences i had during uh as a horror game live streamer Mm -hmm. into my own game and at the same time inject my song into it's it was the debut single tomorrow Mm. game is also called tomorrow so that song i brought in elements of 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 that of the music into the game so basically um my song starts playing elements on my song starts playing when the monster you know when the monster starts when the monster starts coming how would i say when when it starts approaching you when it starts stalking you stalking sneaking up on you it the music Elements of my music starts playing to warn you that the monster is sneaking up on you and would eventually stab you to death. Yeah, that monster is me. Yeah. By the way, yeah. yeah. It's really fun. <laughs> it's really fun. I love being I love being a monster. It's it's uh it's yeah, it's a great stress relief. Uh it it, it, it seems I, that you're able to 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 move fluidly between these different mediums that might seem a bit daunting to to some individuals. Has this have you always held uh this particular okay, have have you always felt like this was a particular challenge that you just wanted to take up? Because for uh for like a music artist, let's say if you do do the conceptualized marketing for let's say the song, I would imagine like the furthest one could probably think is to do a certain type of marketing collateral, but you had the idea to do like this particular game to to spend hours, effort, and even headspace to conceptualize it with another team. That is pretty dope. 
Yeah. So so what what do you think about yourself drove you to to take on these particular challenges? Yeah. It's fun, man. Okay. Like at the end of the day, it's just a lot of fun. And it's within they're all my interests. Games, um videos, like music videos. Mm. All things that I love. And so I want to experience and I want to put uh I want to put myself in and create experiences for others. You know? So it's not I'm not doing it just for the sake I never do it just for the sake of marketing. Mm. I do it because I I enjoy it. I enjoy it. If there's this rule where whenever I make a song Whenever I design, whenever I think of a campaign, marketing campaign surrounded, I want none of it to be boring and to be the same. If it bores me, it's probably going to bore everyone else. Mm. So I want to like surprise myself yeah. and, and, to, and, and, um, make it fun for myself by giving a new experience, a new way to, uh, experience the 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 song even mm-hmm. if it says something is um different uh, something as far fetched as a game mm-hmm. for example yeah like that that is exciting to me and so yeah if i'm bored of my own stuff like i don't want to share that i don't want to waste people's time i don't want to bore them there's so much information out there there's so much media out there to consume I don't want to be another another carbon copy or I don't want to be another spam song, mm. spam music video for someone to watch and felt like they wasted like three minutes of their life listening to or watching. Like, mm. you know, I, I want them to feel entertained. I want... I want them to feel inspired. So that's what I, I, I try. I try to not bar myself, first of all. And um, that usually works. <laughs> because I'm very... I am very much a... Less of ADHD now, more ADD. Just AD. Just, so not without the hyperactivity... You know, so attention deficit disorder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so I'm, uh, I can't get distracted very easily. I have to. I can't just sit down doing like in front of my computer all day. Like I have to like do different things, move around. Yeah. Um, same goes with my businesses. That's why I do a lot. Um. So. Yeah, I mean, is there is there a reason why you play a con? You, you play a. You're always the, the the consistent character within your music videos, like the clown. The the clown. I think in one of your music videos, you were the janitor, and you were the individual, uh, the the main characters. Is it is there a reason why it's always you and not like someone else? Oh, that's a great question. I never ever thought of getting someone. I've never ever thought of getting someone else to. Maybe I should. Interesting. That's interesting. <laughs> Thank you for your 
so so it's always been um I never when 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 you're thinking about the the, the music video when you're storyboarding it's always you oh I'm gonna play this I'm I gonna felt play like that. that's just the most personal I guess I just want to be so personal that it's just me all time okay. but but it could be interesting too if it wasn't me mm. you know um in the future I'll, I'll look into that but uh first of all logistically it's easier it is um sec- second of all is more personable uh, it's more personal and thirdly it's also quite a lot of fun playing characters which i've always enjoyed uh doing um so yeah those three reasons are are are, are why i've been doing it yeah doing it this way yeah yeah for the music that you have you have been creating you have worked with uh, various collaborators as well. I think one of them is Bless 7up. Could you speak to why you have been working with them so long and what's your relationship like with them? Because they seem to have been uh, pr- pr- producing your, your music videos for, I think, for, for the most part. Yeah. So w- w- what, in your opinion, uh, is the importance of finding, I guess, the right people to work with and the right individuals to, to form a team? Because you spoke about or working with producers and I can imagine one an individual only has so much time and so much headspace and you have to 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 create the or, or to even have the creative vision that you have to 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 do so many things you need to work with different people and work with the right people yeah yeah so in regards to working with bless seven up ever since we um Worked together on the first music video, which we pulled off in like one night. Jesus. <laughs> um, if I'm not wrong, yes, just two of them mm. and one of me. And that was the music video that went viral mm. in Southeast Asia. I, from then on, I knew that they were capable of on a on an international level they had the skills of of international quality you wouldn't for someone who's out of outside singapore watching vid, uh the music videos that they produce they wouldn't say like oh it's a singaporean production you know because there, there, there are other music videos which are not as polished. Polished, mm. I, I could we could say, mm. um, or the production value is doesn't seem mm. as high. Mm. These guys they manage to create high production value. Um very creative uh, storylines and very very reasonable budgets Mm. I thought that was just the jackpot for a musician (laughs) and that was why it just became it just became a marriage Mm. in in um in a musician with a musician and music video creators mm. yeah how much was let's let's say in, in in working with them how much of it 
let's say for a music video is uh you dictating and you telling them the, showing them the storyboards and hey I want this year I want that year and how much of it is or perhaps how much of it is them having their own artistic input and you two uh coming to like a consensus how how does it the work most important thing um that I feel is that they are amazing creatives they are super artistic they have great ideas that's good yeah that's important and so that's really yeah the most important thing they're not just they're not just video editors or mm. cameramen you know they are directors in essence and i believe that i believe that as a as a music artist you shouldn't be doing everything on your own you shouldn't be di- dictating every single every single detail mm. you know in in your campaign don't get me wrong i mean there are artists who are in control and who has all the micro details mm. of their music of their song their music video their everything right and it turns out wonderful wonderfully but f- for someone like me i like to collaborate more than dictate mm, there's you know? a difference there yeah there's a difference so i enjoy empowering others or giving them the reins of creativity of the of them to express what they want to express mm. um and although of course it's is based off my song in this case with bless her not doing the music video and perhaps i tell them what my concept was i let them fill in all the blanks and let them do their thing what they feel um is fun what they feel works yeah so there is a mutual level of trust and respect between you two as creatives oh interesting um interesting some something i want to say that i think is interesting um is that i wrote that song in one day my my debut single which uh went viral it was written one day and like i said i think about marketing during my session mm. and so when i was writing that song i had recently watched the joker movie the the latest mm. one mm. uh which was like 2 years ago maybe Joker Phoenix yeah. that guy yeah. yeah so i thought i've always related with the joker a lot and his um uh, the the emotions he struggles with <laughs> oh like they're so, off <laughs> right right <laughs> um and so i i i don't know i decided to kind of put myself in his shoes okay i played my own version of the joker in that song mm-hmm. because it was very appropriate to do so it was a song about 
um, abandonment, uh, depression, um, addiction, mm. those themes. Yep. So I felt like, oh, it was very, very Jokerish. Mm-hmm. So I decided just to give a give a a Joker laugh in the recording itself in the session just just for fun and if it doesn't work it doesn't work but yeah. it ended up being um it en- ended up being a character that I still play to this day and is becoming my my mainstay becoming my main character mm-hmm. you know that represents the dark side of me mm-hmm. and um at that time because the Joker movie was still very popular mm-hmm. then uh, the one Joker Phoenix, I decided to push my. I decided to release my song one month after the recording, mm-hmm. as soon as possible, yep. while the movie was still out there. Yep. Because I felt like it was a very Joker esque kind of movie, mm-hmm. almost like a song that you can imagine being played in the movie itself. Mm-hmm. You know, it's within that that vibe yeah and and so it was it did really well like like i said on it was trending uh on youtube Mm. um so and then universal called me up and um i even worked um with uh sos samaritans of singapore uh is is a nonprofit. It's like oh, a wow. suicide prevention nonprofit. Yeah. Because I'm passionate about those things, mm. so merch proceeds went to them, and I, I try to do things like that. Um. So it was just such a. I just saw so much good that came out of it, mm. you know, and of course validation as well, <laughs> right? Like yeah. I'm actually make doing something that people care about. Yeah. Or, uh, adding value, uh, to their lives with the things um, you create but you see a lot of it was to do with thinking about the marketing mm. even as early as the songwriting process or I wouldn't have I wouldn't have or the recording process you know I wouldn't have made that, done that laugh if I didn't think mm, of that's true yeah didn't think of doing being my my own version of the joker mm. because i knew the joker movie was very popular at that time and with my campaign when i put out the song the music not only in the music video did i performed uh dressed dressed up as a clown performed uh, my own version of the joker but i also created uh, did some guerrilla did some activations, guerrilla marketing. So uh, there are clown parades like <laughs> of, from from <laughs> as small as five to like 30 clowns oh my God. that I deployed <laughs> in, like Orchard Road during Halloween to give out candy with QR okay. codes to my song. Okay. And I did that here and I also did that in the US. I did that in New York where... Most where well, the film that Joker film was was filmed at, Mm-mm-mm. and also there was a staircase uh, where the Joker school. was dancing dancing at in the Bronx, I think. Okay. Yeah, 
which was very popular and a photo spot at that time. Oh, that one. Yeah, okay, okay, a lot okay. of memes came out of it. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's cute. Yeah. Um, but then yeah, I had I had clown parades. Um, even LA, just for fun. Um, uh, but like I had a poster boy go out and stick posters up on that very staircase. Yeah. That very viral, uh, popular staircase. And the posters was simply text that said Joker is back. Joker is back, Joker is back, Joker is back. Dot com. Yeah. Which, you know, people people would be intrigued. Uh, people were interested to know like what, what this was about because mm-hmm. the Joker mover just uh, ended at that time. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. So what, what's, what's this? Like they were interested. And the poster boy was also like, was like shouting out like Joker's back, Joker's back, that kind of thing. Yeah. So that link led them to my music video. That's cool. And um, I had, yeah, some I had conversions from uh, from um, those activations of my clown parade, mm. and um, yeah, that's just one of the one of the fun fun things I like to do. Have you always held this macro look when considering the next steps of your profession or your craft? Because this is a very macro look at very. at any individual projects that you will want to initiate. And I don't think um, it is uh, anything fast. I think a lot of thought and time and effort has to be put into something like this because it, it's hard enough getting people to dress up as clowns to go to outro to do something. But if you're talking about uh, something that has to be concurrent, amongst different different time zones different geographies i think the the impact of all of those things has to be different people have marketing teams to to, to think about this so to, to, to execute it right so it does seem like everything that i mentioned a very big uh a very big undertaking campaign undertaking yeah. <laughs> um but I try to work as streamlined as possible with as few people as possible. And that has proven to be very effective, very fast. Yeah. The lesser people you work with in general, the faster you can get your ideas realized. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. Meaning you don't have to like communicate with 10, 20 people, you know, as in for me, at least I communicate with my PR guy, for example, mm. my music video guys, mm. right? My, that was it actually. <laughs> that was how streamlined I go. I have one PR guy. Yeah. I have uh, that I speak to who has his like own team. Yeah. And then I, I have the, the music video guys who is just the two of them. Yeah. Um, but then I also outsource a lot. So then traditionally you would have a designer design your posters or whatever. Mm-hmm. You have a, uh, social media guy, maybe, I don't know, like marketing guy, um, which I, I usually just, undertake uh, i'll just um do it myself because i i am very interested about marketing mm. 
Uh, so I just plan out what I just think of what I want to do, and then I outsource that, and I delegate those tasks mm. to these guys who just does it, like, just do like a one-time job. Yeah, you know, and that's really fast. I don't see in in my mind. I don't see how it's such a big undertaking. I just delegate it, Mm-mm. right? Mm-hmm. It's important to. It's important to see how it all can come together, you know, all these um, marketing ideas and activations. But at the end of the day, if you if you let other people do what they're good at doing, you know, things will things will move fairly fairly quickly, and that's what I I do in in business as well. My businesses, yeah. Um, and in my music, yeah. So before I move on to your various businesses, I'm one last thing about your profession in music. I'm curious to know behind the successes and everything. What do people not see? What do people not see? I guess they don't see the work put into it. Mm-hmm. I I don't I don't regard it as work, but it is work to some. Because for me, it comes quite naturally. All these idea, all these marketing ideas, mm-hmm. or concepts, or or visions um, that I I want to that I execute. Mm-hmm. You know. And then delegate. Like, it's not for everyone, but for me, I'm super macro, as you have uh, pointed out. And um, it requires a lot of brain power. It requires a lot of um, internal resources to <laughs> internal resources, as well as external. Like, it requires yeah. budget as well. So yeah. that that I I have to. That comes out my my own pocket as mm. well. So, um, it's not. I wouldn't say it's easy, as well as keeping up with the latest um, algorithms mm. of platforms. Yep. Or, um, or even on which platforms they post it on. I think all yeah, these different things. What factor, kind of? Yeah. Uh, what works on? What you know. What works on one platform might not work on the yep. other. So, yep. just things like that to be aware of mm. um, is re- requires effort. So, what will convince you to 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 take the risk? Is there a, a point at which you will you will you will have a look and you will discuss if I guess yourself or someone you trust and you will talk about it? But at what point do you think the risk is worth it? Is there even uh, a point, like, or is it more like, hey, I, I, I re- this is what I, I really feel for. It's just a, a gut feeling, and I go with it. Like, what is it? I always say, go with your gut. Mm-hmm. Um, make as calculated a risk as possible. I mean, with your risks, be as calculated as, as possible. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, if you still feel like it's super risky, but you feel like 
you want to do it, you know, you feel like it could work, you know, it could bring, it could bring something positive, something positive could come out of it. Just do it. And I've always stood by that and I've always gone in my gut feeling and I've also spent a lot of money with the the campaign. Mm. Some some campaign ideas are um, are costly. Can be costly. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, if you don't try, you'll never know. Mm. And so, even if you try and you fail, you learn from that, right? I'm sure you've heard about. You've heard about like um, people saying a failure is not a failure if you learn from it. You know, like failing is not 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 a failure. Failing, failing is, not is a lesson. Yeah, yeah, which actually contributes to your decisions in the future. Um, so what i'm trying to say is if you don't try you'll never know so you don't want to you don't want to be in your your deathbed one day uh, when the day comes and be like oh i wish i i wonder what would happen if i if i tried this if i did this if i was honest to to myself if i was honest with other people you know you don't want to it would be really, really sucky if you were if you didn't feel like you you lived a gen you who you who you were you know like um, being gen as genuine as you can mm. is to me what is the most fulfilling thing you can do and the most peaceful zen thing you could ever do for yourself and for those that around and for those around you they they will appreciate it if mm. they don't appreciate you then maybe they're not right for you mm. so being yourself really just um is the way to go i think to I even forgot, have, i forgot even what you asked me i think to even have a healthy relationship with failure i think that is pretty crucial and i don't think that is being emphasized enough yeah because all about the High also, marks. Yeah, you can. You can't fail. You fail. You get caned. <laughs> I don't think the education system is is particularly Very helpful. Not forgiving at all right now. But so the last point about your gut, the ever the ever present gut. Has there been a time, or has it been something that your 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 you you trusted your gut, but it backfired, and you learned from that? Yeah, of course, many many, many times. <laughs> Many times. Could you speak of one particular experience that you are keen or willing to share? So I went with like, um, okay, th- this was. Uh, so I had this idea of putting out an Instagram album. What is Instagram album? So one album? minute songs. Okay, because okay. you can only post one minute videos mm. um, as a post on Instagram. Yep. Right. And so I wanted each of those posts to be one song. Mm. And then um, I'll stack it up and have like 27 songs because I was turning, I turned 27 at that time and <laughs> I wanted 27 representations of, you know, just 27. Interesting. Okay. Uh, 27. Uh, sides of yourself? Not not sides. Um, I was quite quirky at that time. But, <laughs> but, um, 
so it all had a quirky vibe, but just twenty seven <laughs> songs. Yeah, you know, um, of me. Yep. And uh, I worked with like micro influencers to mm. to promote it, and um, oh. I know why. I know why I, I pulled out of that. What yeah, happened? I remember now. Um, it was not because of it was not because of the micro influences. They were fine, right? They were doing what they were hired to do. But I tried to game the system on Spotify at what that time. Mean? Yeah. Basically, I had friends mm-hmm. who would play my song on repeat, um, so that it would. You'll rise up Pick in the up algorithm, the algorithm yep. and then expose me to more people. Mm. You know what I mean? Yep. Yep. And so I had them, I had um, a number of people do that uh, when my song, uh, when when those songs, they're not, I never actually released them officially because they were taken down. Mm. Oh, I did. And then it was taken down. Uh, it was flagged because, because it, it, they detected like, Shenanigans. This happening, <laughs> shenanigans, <laughs> and so I just didn't go with that whole campaign at the end. Is, is that the end illegal or something, or is that? Yeah, uh, 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 I mean, it's not. I guess it's not allowed. Okay. With, with with Spotify with at the least, TOS. it's not. Okay. It's not okay. like I'm gonna get jailed or fined or okay. something. It goes against just like, their service, la, Yeah, the service. I guess they don't. They don't want that, right? Because it's <laughs> it's kind of like playing, cheating. Playing, <laughs> like, it's kind of like cheating. Okay. I just I just like I just like doing shit for fun sometimes, <laughs> just for. Just for fun, mm. um, um, and so that failed, that and backfired. You, you but I it? went with my gut because, like, I don't know, it could work, yeah, or you could fail, so it failed, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that's not career ending. You took it on the chin and moved on, uh. yeah. So the Instagram, that album is just on Instagram, um, still, it's still on Instagram, but uh, you you can't find any of those songs on Spotify or the platforms because it it, it was taken down. <laughs> So I just moved on with, uh, yeah. I personally think that that's a that's a very brilliant way to be a creative to fail fast and to learn. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to don't dwell. <laughs> yeah, just like, just like, yeah, move on. So, so moving forward from this, from from the music part of you as an individual, I want to. I'm very curious about the philanthropic part that I think you've spoken about in previous interviews. Why is it important for you to 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 give back to uh certain charities that, that you feel for you talked about uh having the, the merge proceeds for one of your particular releases to, to go back to like a charity? Why why is this part integral and important for you? It's important to me because it's it's always good to help others. I feel also by helping others, you help yourself. Um, you know, it can be contradicting because people say you need to help yourself before you help others, mm-hmm. but it can work. It can work vice versa, you yeah. know, as well. There's something about innate innate to human beings where you feel good when you help other people 
and and I feel good when I help other people. It's just as simple as that. Yeah. Interesting. So you can see it as something selfish. Like I I do see it also as like, you know, it's making an impact because I'm, mm. you know, it's making an impact. I don't know how I didn't, I didn't look, I didn't look at the nitty gritty, like show me proof that this actually goes to this person who is in need or whatnot. Like I do have to put some trust in these, yep. uh, in organizations, these organizations yeah. right? Because um, that's what they're supposed to do. Yeah. But I do, I do believe it makes some sort of impact. Yeah. And at the end of the day, at the end of the day, I do feel we are all, this is just what I think, but I do feel we're all selfish individuals. Yeah. Right? Definitely. As humans are. Yeah. Right? Or you wouldn't, we wouldn't have survived. It comes with the package. <laughs> it comes, yeah, it comes with it, right? <laughs> Without instructions, but <laughs> it comes with it. Yeah, it's built in. Um, so, Yeah. I feel good when I help others. So it is for me. Mm. Very interesting. Um, I would like to close off this conversation talking about the parlor. And I think that your... Okay, so the whole concept is particularly interesting to me. So for, for, for individuals who might not have heard of the parlor, could you please talk about it? What What is it and why was it important for you to even start it up here in Singapore as well as uh, in Seoul? Yeah. So pretty much the one-liner or the elevator pitch for the parlor, what it is, is a safe space for creatives. At the end of the day, any parlor that you see, I mean, right now there's only two parlors, one in Singapore and one in Seoul. Mm. They are for creatives, right? Um, or, or those that want to be creative, mm. even um, enthusiasts. And essentially, it is a creative space. The one in Singapore are five creative businesses under one roof, a three in a three-story shop house. That's pretty. Insane. That's what it is. <laughs> the one in Seoul, and every parlor will be different mm-hmm. wherever it is to um, best contribute um, to the scene. Um, the one in Seoul is a big basement, a big white basement with a bar. Ooh, nice. And white furniture, mm-hmm. right? And that is because uh, we wanted to create a pop-up space for any creative, for anyone who's in fashion, mm. anyone who's in um in the arts. visual arts yeah. who wants to hold an exhibition mm. you know so pop-up stores for fashion exhibitions even um performances performance art there's enough space for that there mm. and of course music mm. live music DJs yeah. bands yep. and and a bar to service all of them um, as simple as that. That is the Parlor Soul. And to emphasize a little bit more on the Parlor Singapore, bringing it back, the five different businesses 
are the bar and bistro. Mm-hmm. So that is creative as well. Cooking is creative. Definitely. And no it's, doubt. A, it's a tap room. It's a craft beer tap room. So that's really creative as well. Mm. Um, curating the the beers, uh, the beer. There is a music production school. The only music Ableton school. official Ableton training center mm. um, in Singapore. So we teach the software, yep. uh, Ableton. There is uh, the music parlor. So that is a recording studio. That's the first business I, I actually started. There's, there's another branch, the first branch in Peninsula Shopping Center. I started <laughs> five years ago. So there are two branches to, yeah. to this business. Yeah. There is Free Flow, um, which is a photography studio. We have that. Um, as well as the parlor itself, it has like a, it has like a co-working lounge area where we, um, we do workshops at, uh, we do flea markets mm. and, um, in, in throughout the whole shop house itself, the parlor in Singapore work partners up with, um, visual artists mm. to feature their work on our walls. Mm. And to uh, have them for sale, and I believe all these are housed under one roof. Yeah, under one roof. Is it? Why is it important to have it all under one roof? Because they complement one another. I believe the Palace Singapore is a little creative ecosystem mm. of sorts, mm. and there's so much collaboration, cross collaboration that can happen between each of these businesses under one roof. And together, um, bringing all of these complementing creative businesses um, under one roof really just creates a stronger pull mm. for any for any creative at all to come in through our doors and. Be like, oh wow, this is interesting, or this is cool. I want to record here, or oh wow, I want to um, do a workshop here, or you know, it's like um, creating sort of a, a rainbow, rainbow, a rainbow for the individual to pick from, like what color. Would I like? Uh, what color do I feel? Do I feel more drawn towards today? Uh, like, you know, there's a choice to also experiment. Maybe you know, mm. I've always liked black and white, but why not? I give it a shot. Like, give I give pink a shot, for example, and see where that takes me. Yeah. So that's very metaphorical, but um, what I'm trying to say is that. There's there's so many kinds of creative businesses like music. There's photography. Mm. There's food, uh, food, drink, visual arts, and stuff. Mm. I feel like someone who's interested in craft beers, like they they would be interested, might be interested in music and explore that. Yeah, explore a, the studios there. Fair assumption, yeah. You know, or those who are. Um, interested in music would want to 
have their photos taken yeah or videos shot mm. you know for their artistic um um artistic purposes um and so we've seen a lot of that a lot of these cross these these uh spillovers and exp- and uh and seeing people step step up to it to try yeah new things yeah i think that's really the first step right yeah to even be i guess brave enough to 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 want to try something different because i think being comf- get, getting proficient in one thing is in its own journey but then being comfortable in that and not wanting to try i think that's another journey to to to, to go on yeah exactly and um having meeting people from different disciplines it's almost like being in like a college like arts <laughs> college of some sort and yeah. you 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 might mix around with other people studying different things mm. but you can come could come together to create something even bigger than what you could have done alone yeah like music with dance with visuals yeah with um I think I think that's really Theater. one one of the more interesting uh, elements about creativity and the uh, creative disciplines because of the network effect. Like you can know someone who is a sculptor and perhaps someone who makes really good uh, pastries, and you are a visual artist, and you three can collab on something together. I don't think people in accounting can collab in that sense. Perhaps they they could on the same Google sheet, and that's pretty cool. But I think being a creative. And having the 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 really the macro look and to be open to to actually working with other people, I, I think that is something really special and should be encouraged. What I'm curious to know is, you said that uh, the parlor in Seoul and the parlor in Singapore and future parlors should be different, but in conceptualizing the two different creative scenes, is is that um, what were the considerations you took into? finding these different elements to put into the business let's say for singapore's and for korea's what was it like 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 pre-parlor so first question <clears throat> before starting anything before starting a space um is what does this place need what does this area uh this city perhaps not in singapore singapore is a very small city um, but like in 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 South Korea, for example, like Seoul, it's its own mm. thing. So like, what does Seoul need, right? Yeah. And then, uh, my partner and I, my partner who's Korean based there, um, we thought that independent artists could have more, could have more of a platform to um, express themselves. Okay. And of course, there there are other, I mean, there are platforms there and spaces there that promote the independent artists mm-hmm. and scene. Uh, but, you know, it's not saying like we are, we are, the only one doing this. Yeah. Like we just wanted to be contribute to this movement. Yep. And that was the, that was what we did in Seoul. And for Singapore, it's like, do you know of a place where music, um, 
design um food fashion visual arts like came together you know besides i mean school <laughs> you know like art school or something mm. i didn't really feel that there was something like that mm. in a very cozy setup you mentioned a space it's space. a shop house yeah so yeah yeah it feels like a home almost which is very special i think rather than having a big institution or a big building which which has all these different like of course different uh um faculties right yeah i wanted to say that because you I, mentioned safe space because yeah. um we do have museums in Singapore. We do have yeah. miniature galleries, but there's always a sense of it being too daunting to yes. white walls, uh, artwork on the walls and everything. Yes. And you mentioned safe space. I think that's a very interesting concept to, to actually run with, to, to accept professionals, sure, but also beginners because beginners are the ones that you will want to, to cultivate and because you never know what talents someone might have. And I think that is a very interesting uh way of looking at it yeah yeah you're absolutely right so i'm all about the i'm all about kickstarting an artist's career um or being like the 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 stepping stone you know the first step they could take into this journey mm. and so with like the music parlor, for example, my five years ago I, I opened up um, was a one-stop shop for the musician to um, record, uh, to jam, to mm-hmm. record and even perform. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the way I designed it was that the walls could fall open and close so that it created a bigger space for shows. Yeah. Although the shows were like maximum 50 people. Yeah. But it's still a show. <laughs> is it, yeah. For yeah. like a, someone starting out yeah, you might not even have fifty people, so yeah. it's perfect for um, the uh, starting out. It's a good confidence booster, to be honest. Absolutely. Yeah. So I do feel like first step is the most important thing. If you never, if you don't take the first step, you will never, you'll never go any anywhere. So I really think that's very important to to be able to encourage the first step mm. for any artist, any creative, and that's what I've always been most passionate about. Um. Yeah, and then in closing, um, I do have one final question. As a entrepreneur and as a creative in Singapore, what do you think we can do better, and what do you think we're doing right? As because you are, you are a creative, a true creative, and you are an entrepreneur as well. And sometimes these two don't mix, but there are also times when these two. Uh, symbiotic they they run perfect in tandem and it seems like with the parlor there is a very good uh equilibrium of it being a creative uh endeavor as well as a, a business endeavor so i'm just curious to know because drawing back to a local context in singapore what is singapore getting right and what can singapore improve on i think singapore is doing a good job with the grants that 
there are quite a number of grants for um for the creative uh, the creative industries um so i really appreciate that and they're quite big sums of money as well so that does help but i feel like we can have more more creative spaces and of course i i am biased i mean i that's like one of the things that i love which are creative spaces more safe spaces like the parlor or something you know totally different but as long as it's it makes a creative feel safe and it empowers the creative you know gives the creatives the platform or the tools to to have them do what they do best which is create mm. you know mm. i think we could have more of that we could have especially the small ones especially the small creative studios or small creative uh spaces mm. like those to me are the most important because it allows creators to take the first step they like the gems <laughs> yeah 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 it gives them the confidence to then take the second step third mm. step and onwards the most important thing though for any creative i feel is collaboration over competition that's really a motto that i feel any creative not just a creative in in singapore um should always aim to achieve to greater their art mm. is to collaborate with other people to expand your perspectives and horizon of creativity mm. you know um especially so in singapore though i do feel we are in the way we are brought up educated we are here to compete mm. and to uh crush. do better to <laughs> yeah to crush it to <laughs> dominate the industry yeah you know multi-level cooperation but when you come to the arts there is no crushing i mean it, it doesn't make sense it it doesn't but yeah. because a lot of us have been and whether knowingly or unconscious uh, or subconsciously trained to become competitive mm. and to not share your resources not share your ideas to benefit the benefit other artists you want to be the best right mm. that's that's something i i do feel a lot of singaporeans have uh have been trained have been trained to 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 think mm. um yeah like you have to be better than everyone else i don't believe so collaboration over competition exactly one last point um do you think we have a consumption problem what i mean by that is as singapore when when talking to people i know or when reading articles online or reading forums online it always seems to be that 
there is a culture issue. What I mean by that is like because of us being a young state and we have progressed so fast across the years, kudos to that, but our culture is always imported. Imported meaning we look to the West, we look to Japan, we look to the East. It's always imported culture, whether it be through media, through content, through uh, people we look up to, it's always important culture. Nothing wrong with that. But being an artist and an entrepreneur from Singapore, do you think that particular, there will be a shift perhaps in the future? Like this idea of being made in Singapore is more than just a marketing buzzword. It's more than just marketing lingo. Like people will actually be proud to 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 be regarded as uh, hailing from Singapore and being exported out into the world because, yeah, I'm just curious to know your thoughts on that. I believe so. Absolutely. We are seeing such great art coming out of Singapore, such great um, artists or personalities. And um, seeing how uh, encouraging um it is becoming like with the government actually encouraging these mm. uh, and end funding it with the grants and stuff um, as well as just in general younger parents being more supportive of their children you know pursuing the arts mm. that would create and is creating a major shift and more artists are going to be let out into um into you know the industry into the into the scene and that's just going to make it grow and mature ever so beautifully you know and um so the best is yet to come yeah yeah one thousand percent i'm very very excited to see where it's going to go. And I believe that's a fantastic way to end the conversation. Thank you for your time. Where can people find your stuff? Thank you so much. They can um, follow me on Instagram. That's jfunk, J-A-Y-E-F-U-N-K. And DM me anytime. Um, And... um, I'm just going to give y'all a heads up that most of my stories on Instagram will be my two dogs and cats. So <laughs> People love that. The internet loves that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just, two dogs and cats? Just telling you that you're not going to expect just music or <laughs> that music sometimes. But sometimes. every day, cats and dogs. Like two dogs, two cats? Two dogs, two cats. That's a fucking animated cartoon waiting to happen. <laughs> it's an animated cartoon every day. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> Every single day. Uh, thank you, Jay. Thank you for your time. Thank and the you conversation. so much. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed the episode and feel inspired. If you enjoyed what you heard thus far, do give us a follow on Instagram. And don't forget to share and subscribe. Stay tuned for the next episode.